Now, I would recommend the personal myth because the whole point of that is to reassess how you've come to be who you are right now and basically produce what's called the personal mm -hmm. equation. The personal equation is what adds up to you being you. Adding up to you being you means you separate yourself out from the influence of other people. This is purely about you being you. Okay, and the next question comes from Blessed by the Goal. Hello. He says, hello, Young to Live by team. Hope you are doing well. I have a few related questions about resolving negative suggestions. In regards to one's physiology, in this case breathing, you guys have stated, and I have experienced, that it is possible to reset one's breathing by correcting one's sleep. I did so by using the Charing Cross method. Thanks for that. Okay. My question is, are there so some sorts of psychological reset techniques for mostly unconscious negative suggestions I or someone might believe in? Related questions would be, would step one be to become conscious of said suggestions? If there isn't a way to properly reset oneself from suggestions, what would be your way to dismantle negative suggestions and preventing them from happening again? They feel like such a waste of time and potential. That's very true, actually. Yeah. However, much can be learned from becoming aware and correcting them. Kindest mm. regards, blessed by the goal. Thank you. Whoa, that's a big question. Um, the answer will be contextual, and I'll answer it from a therapeutic uh, context, I think, if that's okay. I wouldn't necessarily recommend this way of thinking, though, if you're not a therapist and you're not dealing with a third party, but I'll, I'll just start with that. The most important thing for me, once rapport is established with someone that I'm working with, is to find out, to establish, and the person themselves may not be conscious of it, who or what is influencing them in their background. Whatever beliefs that they have that may seem to be harming them or limiting them, who has put them into that person's mind, into their life, even into their body, because suggestion, as you obviously are aware, can root itself into the body. So who has influenced this person? Who is influencing them now? Who influenced them in the past? To understand that, you really have to resolve down and find the core of that being of that person as they are in the moment, um, and how stable their boundary is. You know, the, the psychological self-reference frame, what's penetrating that, getting inside and getting that person to think in a way which in effect is suggestive of them adopting things that are harmful to them. So that's how I would work as a therapist. I'd want to know who or what is influencing that person in order to begin to dismantle negative suggestion out of that framework. You have to be careful asking yourself who is influencing me, you know, because that's potentially a little paranoid if somebody has a weak mm. uh, ego for example because it, like, everybody's influencing me and before you know it you start to give yourself negative also suggestions so the stability of your own ego your own ego consciousness is very very important before you settle into a comfortable place where you can begin the process of self-analysis the psyche does have an immune system and it works in an an analogous way to the biological immune system. It needs exposure, it needs to recognize threat, it needs to prepare itself to resist similar threats in the past. So suggestion can take in the same way as an infection. We often talk about psychological infection, mm, following both yeah. Freud and Jung, mm. who both uh, talked about it. It is possible through an influential psychosocial field to download, if you like, negative influence and effect from other people, from the internet, from books, or any other source of influence. 
The way that it gets in is that we find some kind of resonance with that information, kind of a frequency which appears to resonate with something that we already have within us. That's where it gets dangerous because your psychological immune system will not discriminate adequately necessarily between a negative uh, form of influence coming from someone else and a belief that we already have, so it takes without discrimination. So when you build yourself a place to stand for your ego, your ego, you can then begin to focus your psychological immune system on influences and measure it against your overall health. That's really important. The things that I believe, are they harming me? Am I aware that they're harming me or not? Very often, some of the ideas that we incorporate are toxic, but we don't recognize them as such because our psychological immunity has not picked up on it. So you need to do a, a broad spectrum, if you like, self-analysis of your health and functioning, biologically, psychologically, and socially. When you can work that out, and there are ways of doing this, when you can work that out, you can begin to resolve that down and to where these negative ideas and influences are coming from. And for a long-term, or middle-term actually, uh, solution, I would recommend the personal myth because the whole point of that is to reassess how you've come to be who you are right now and basically produce what's called the personal equation. The personal equation is what adds up to you being you. Adding up to you being you means you separate yourself out from the influence of other people. This is purely about you being you. Once you have your personal equation, which you get by resolving into focus your personal myth, the narrative of your life as it's unfolded, you can then begin the conscious process of individuation as understood by Carl Gustav Jung. If you don't have your personal equation, you can't do that. If you don't have your personal myth, you can't have your personal equation because you don't know who you are. You don't know where you begin and where you end. And where you begin and where you end are the parameters that you must operate within in order to know whether suggestion from the outside is harmful or not. So that's the, the, the middle distance, if you like, solution. Sort out your personal myth, then you're in a position to work yourself along your through line into the future and sort these things out. So as a broad base, that's what, what I would say in response to that. Mm. I mean, for a young man more specifically, you would mm. be looking at the relating function. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah. And uh, in classical Jungian terms, the negative anima, and where that might be residing. Yes. And, and we know from a typological point of view, it tends to hide within a person's dominant function. Yeah, the so Myers-Briggs type. With respect to the yeah. Myers-Briggs type yeah. indicator, yeah. So that might be something worth looking at as mm. well. Um, because if, if that's where it's slipped in and, and where it's operating, mm. you, you might not see it. It becomes so identified with, mm. with who and what you are that you don't mm. see it in action. And the, the task then is to catch it out real time. Yeah. Uh, and, and to make that distinction yes. uh, between you and it. And, and that certainly is a, a process of becoming more conscious, as I think this particular mm. uh, gentleman says. So... Um, just something else to take it if you want to sort of zero in on something then that yeah. would be a place to start as well yeah. but more broadly speaking yes steve you're right i mean you ultimately it's better to know who and what you are in that complete sense mm. than it is even to just focus on your psychology so and that's in the personal myth guide as well where, where we address well. the psychology yes, and, and how these things can yes how they operate. um but for yeah. a, a reset technique uh hypnosis that's the way to do it. That's faster, more efficient and yeah. better than anything I've ever yeah. experienced. And 
it's something that you can use generally to resist uh, suggestion mm. uh, and, and to build ego strength. But the specifics of that will need more time than we can probably give yeah. to it right now. But that would be your immediate answer would be, uh, technically anyway, would be a hypnotic technique, definitely for ego strengthening, mm. without a doubt. Mm -hmm. so, so finding a place to stand was something that you was hinting yeah. at earlier, Steve. On, on screen I can overlay now, as you guys can see, going through that tracking mm. the anima diagram, which again we hinted at in a previous video. Would you say that that's probably the, the best, because the person with guys is enormous. Mm. And you know, if, if there's there's negative suggestions about someone probably wants to get quicker, you know, get rid of it quickly. Do you reckon that would be one of the best places to start? Yeah, the personal myth guide will source it all out for you if you follow that through. But you've got to work at it. This is not a mouse click. This is full engagement with the whole of your being. But the rewards of doing that are proportional to the task itself. So what you put in is what you get out. Uh, for a quick fix, relatively speaking, then hypnotherapy is the method par excellence for that, and that would definitely help. Mm. Um, where you get those techniques from? Well, the beginnings of them are in our hypnotherapy guide, yep. um, but you would need to modify that once you have that technique in place. The most important thing with hypnosis is gaining the cooperation of the unconscious mind, uh, and everything you need to know about doing that safely are, is in the hypnosis guide. Uh, but principally, you have to approach the psyche on its own terms. And sadly, people who are influenced by pop Jungianism don't generally know how to do that. They superimpose all sorts of appropriated, well-meaning, but appropriated ideas from various sources between themselves and the psyche. The psyche does not appreciate that. It doesn't want to be uh, addressed, if you wish, as if it were an internal projection of the ego itself. It wants to present as it is. Uh, but so many Jungians make that mistake, the internal projection mistake, and that's something that we're going to discuss in depth in future videos, and again is in the Personal Myth Guide, mm. about that fundamental mistake of internally projecting yourself. You're just looking in your own mirror. It's a form of unconscious narcissism. We have to get away from that, and if you're going to ask the unconscious for help, you have to be able to communicate with it in a way that it wants you to communicate, and you have to receive in a way that it wants you to receive. <coughs> no theory, no, no theory at all. It's a technological method, if you like, a technique of engagement in a naturalistic way with the psyche. That's the best way to do it. In order to bolster what Steve just said, we thought that we would include a clip from Seminar 26, a recent seminar that we did with Carter One of our IPSA students, all about internal projection, when the ego projects itself back into the unconscious. So this is something to bear in mind to make sure that you don't do if you're going to engage in any form of, first of all, relationship with your psyche, or indeed any kind of hypnotherapeutic technique. Internal projection is an unfamiliar concept to many, but it's probably the most important and where it is known about the most misunderstood psychodynamic of all. It's common in depth psychology to talk of projection out from the unconscious, past the ego and into the social world far less common is talking about how the ego itself projects into the unconscious. This act of projection by the ego itself being unconscious as there's a failure to separate itself as subject, that is the ego, from object, the unconscious. There's a blurring of boundaries. What the ego then sees, that is aperceives, are aspects of itself, not the true nature of the unconscious as such. This dynamic is far more common than the usual external projection, 
Now, the reason for that, obviously, is that we're inside our heads, even as extroverts, more than we're outside of them. We need other people and we need the immediacy of interaction with another person to be externally focused. Whenever we're not socially engaged, we are internally engaged more so, even if, for example, if you're doing something physical in I don't know, a garden or some kind of physical job, but there's no other person externally to you who is interacting with you, your psyche is very, very close to the surface and you're interacting with yourself, even if you're extroverted. So the way you interpret your psyche then comes from the ego, it goes inwards. So we get internal projection going on all the time. Consciousness, including the ego, as the nuclear complex of the field of consciousness evolved to deal with adaptation to the external world as a flexible supplement to instinct. Instincts, as in Pansepian seven basic emotional systems, are all attuned to the external environment. This is clear from advances in neuroscience. As humans, we have enlarged associative or an enlarged associative cortex for dealing with environmental novelty and adaptation, including the capacity to plan in a virtual sense for future possibilities and their outcomes. As we exist in a multidimensional social world, most of our adaptations are social. So we model future possibilities and of course, immediate experience within a social framework. This is what I was saying earlier. And people who explore the unconscious kind of become unconscious of the fact that they are internally projecting. When the ego turns its attention internally outside of itself, it's in a space time that is unfamiliar to itself. Unfamiliar, but still insists on making it the same thing. In order to interpret the representational systems, that's within the mind and the brain, images, affects, fantasies, and dreams that emerge spontaneously from the non-ego of the unconscious, there's a natural tendency for the ego to project a social model internally. The psyche which does produce representations of the external world as familiar, if imperfect, reflections of our social relations in its communications with the ego, nevertheless does so according to the demands of the genome or the genomic self innate drives and instincts. So what we receive comes essentially from the instincts or the instincts at the very least are the vehicles of delivery of information that's emerging from the genome in response to our adaptation in a, you know, the sense that it's a positive, successful adaptation or not. This has recently been confirmed by scientific studies on the neuropsychology of dreaming by Professor Mark Solms co-founder of the emerging discipline of neuropsychoanalysis. The ego therefore projects a representation of itself and its associated complexes. These would be the identified ones and the, uh, the uh, aligned complexes in our model. Uh, into and over, as in casting over the unconscious, creating a mirage-like effect that is not a true apperception of the unconscious as it really is. This is why some people insist on reifying contents of the unconscious by believing them to be sub-personalities who live independent lives inside our heads. In the manner of Greek or Norse gods, for example, determining our fate just as outer social relationships with real people all too often actually do. This is the trap that awaits in active imagination, guided fantasy, meditation, low-level hypnosis, sub-personality therapy, and... Of course, through any kind of internalized hetero suggestion, which is basically the influence of other people, 
superstition or mental illness. The psyche has its own nature and empirically prefers to be approached accordingly. As I said before, if, if, if you work in the way that we've been suggesting thus far uh, through hypnosis, you'll get results that unfortunately Jungian analysts and uh, Gestalt therapists and transpersonal psychotherapists and humanistic therapists, they don't get. And that's because they, they create this wall of projected fantasy between them and the unconscious in and of itself. However, it will respond to the ego when it approaches through internal projection, provided that the intentionality of the ego suits the overall homeostasis of the organism. And it's that which links back to what Clive was saying, that a degree of reification is fine as long as it doesn't go too far because that degree of reification is sufficient for the unconscious to meet it in a dialectical sense, to receive it. And as it receives things and translates, so it gives out things and we should translate when we're working at this, this level of projection, internal projection. So where it does not, where, in other words, where, where it does not agree with what's happening, there is the danger of creating a compensatory reaction from the unconscious, which could manifest firstly through the basic psych psychodynamics outlined, it says above, but we'll come to that another time, or through mental illness, perhaps even as a severe psychosis. Projection at this point will take on a manner personality character in effort to release the compensatory tension from within by uh, uh, within, sorry, uh, through an external figure, perhaps an internet guru or entrepreneur. We, we all know the kind of person who gets this projection and they then become a conductor, a lightning rod in effort to source out the mess that's on the inside of the individual. Yeah, to, uh, in an attempt to earth the psyche threatening to burst through. Such compensations can work, but often this is only temporary. Where the tension can be held within safe bounds and then the process becomes a lengthy dialectic with both parties, the ego and the unconscious, speaking their respective languages whilst not really listening to one another. This more than anything else is why, for example, analysis can take as long as it does and often not to achieve anything other than a rather lengthy stasis. It's quite common in both Freudian and Jungian analysis for there to be periods, lengthy periods of time when nothing happens other than people get irritated by the fact that nothing's happening. And your, your mainstream analysts will say, well, that's just a transference and we have to keep the pressure on until something bursts through from the unconscious. Well, they've created the problem. And how stupid is that? You create a problem yourself and then don't see that you've done it. And then, and then sometimes even blame through the counter-transference the patient because you've put them in that state where they can't communicate either to themselves or to you nice trick isn't it by them but it, you know it's why analysis very often takes a long time so mainstream analysis uh, holds that the general view the brief therapy that is both in-depth and efficacious isn't possible that's what they say on dogmatic grounds this belief is an artifact of the culture of analysis rather than a fact of the process particularly one that communicates with the psyche as the psyche prefers to be communicated with. In other words, the process itself, the analytical process is fine, but you can do it in a brief focal way because the psyche prefers to react in a homeostatic way quickly. If it doesn't, 
there's a chance that you die. It doesn't like that. It intends that, that you get well. That's the whole point of homeostasis, is not to wait years to make a relatively small adjustment in your personality. And yet that's what they do. And it's because they're possessed with dogmatic ideas and inflation and don't understand the ecology of the unconscious in the right way. So to achieve the proper level of communication, it's necessary to become conscious of the ego's internal projections and set them aside. The process of natural communication is facilitated and the passage of time necessary for positive therapeutic change and personal development is reduced markedly. Now, there is a second kind of internal projection, however. This is from the unconscious towards the ego. The totality of the genome cannot be experienced by the ego conscious personality. Just can't. We, we know this and we know why that's the case. What can be experienced is an internal projection of a psychological image of the genome. You think about that, an internal projection of a psychologized image of the genome, which may be an abstract symbol or as suggested here, a personification. As we saw above, the ego's sense of identity was formed psychosocially. So it follows that it responds more readily to images in the personified form of a psychosocial interaction. This has its drawbacks as discussed above. However, the totality of the psyche will project itself by analogy as a compressed zip file format in a way that the ego can both accept via its bandwidth, its carrying capacity, and unpack into a meaningful level of understanding. Therefore, the genomic self, which is analogous to young self archetype, will appear in consciousness as a human personality to facilitate communication with the ego on the terms deemed appropriate by the unconscious. It is not, however, a separate or alternative ego. Reifying it as such is dangerous, and as we've seen, risk of psychotic inflation, or at the very least, a paralyzing identification. For the personal myth process, understanding the communications from the unconscious on its own term is critically important. So this is, a, I won't go any further, it does go on a long time, but this, this is basically what I was uh, thinking about before. This is internal projection, the ego's apperception of itself as a mirage of its own structure and associated complexes. So the, the blue uh, rectangle at the top represents the field of consciousness within which you have the ego as the nuclear complex of consciousness. Then we have the internal projection process onto an unknown unconscious content in the unconscious. And then the return stroke, if you like, back at the ego as if a flashlight into a mirror. And then what you basically get is this mirage return. You see yourself in yourself and you're not seeing the other that is not you at all. But the unconscious may go along with that up to a point. It only really becomes a problem when homeostasis breaks down and then that flashlight and mirror return will deliver something awful. Um, and again, uh, we have to be aware of this. So if you just scroll up, again, I'll just read what it says at the bottom and um, just finish on that for now. So in depth psychology, it is common, almost usual for the ego to interpret the unconscious and its contents according to its tacit knowledge of itself. Therefore, the ego is only too willing to see reified subpersonalities in the unconscious and fail to see that these are only surface manifestations of the unconscious caused by a reflection of the ego back to itself. The unconscious will, if allowed, present itself as it really is, but the ego all too often imposes itself between itself and the psyche, 
by internal projection. This gives a false image of the anima, the shadow, archetypes, the self, etc. Conscious fantasies, conscious fantasies are far more prevalent and often more dangerous than unconscious ones. The reason for that should be obvious. Unconscious fantasies are unconscious. Conscious fantasies are the ones that we articulate and identify with. So in that sense, they're more dangerous to the stability of the ego than anything that's turning over in the unconscious, which homeostasis will deal with. If we're in balance, the unconscious will self-regulate. Jung himself said, leave the unconscious alone unless you have to. And he was, he was right. If you do go in, then always, always emphasize homeostasis and self-regulation. You're encouraging the psyche to, to regulate itself without intrusion and without internal projection. So um, that was a lot of material. It, it's from the, um, the personal myth guide. I do consider it very important. And this is a way of encapsulating a lot of the, the issues that have been raised so far today. Hope it's been useful. Thanks, James. The Personal Myth Ultimate Handbook is now available for pre-order. For anyone who has a yearning deep in their very genome to become who they truly feel they should be, this guide is utterly indispensable. Pick up your copy today and make 2021 the year you truly begin to become yourself.